God our God of our fathers. The title, beautiful. We had such a wonderful Sabbath school lesson. That was good, very good. I am going to ask you a question. Whether you've ever had it, that experience or not, you may have it. But God definitely is concerned about us. So if you knew that the one that you love, that a moment has come for you to say the last few words, what would you say? What would you say? That's serious. Sometimes we don't think of it, but there are times where some people that they love so much have to say the last few words before they are gone on a trip or gone to the rest or gone to school, whatever, and probably never see them again. What would you say? Especially somebody that you love very, very much. I refer to the Sabbath school lesson again because I will have a continuation on that very subject. Just think, God made Adam and Eve, and because of Adam and Eve, we are here. God made us. And because God made us in his image, can you imagine the bond that he has with each one of us? Seriously. It's beautiful. He loves us. He wants us. He wants us to have life and eternal life. And what has he always said to everybody, including Adam and Eve, and all the people that have ever been born on the face of this earth? And then, whatever God has said, he has said it for a generation that would come to an end. Every person coming to an end. And he loves every one of us. 
Can you take a moment and visualize of what God actually said to Lucifer when Lucifer began to distrust God and feel that he could do a better job than God? What do you think God really communicated to him? What do you think God communicated to all the angels before one-third of the angels were put out of heaven? Think. It's... With you thinking the way you are right now, and I'm thinking the way I am, I could not visualize what God must have said to those angels. I can't understand it. And yet one-third of those angels didn't believe in God. Somehow, they chose to believe in Lucifer instead of God, and what the result was, they were put out of heaven. I mean, that's serious. Because we know of the past. So it's come to the place where we have the last message that God is telling to everybody upon the face of this earth before Jesus says, it is finished, it is done, and Jesus comes, and things begin to happen in a very dramatic way. So we're going to review something very important for you and for me to understand about the three angels' messages. We're going to look at it from different angles in such a way that you will say, you know, this is serious, absolutely serious. So I liked, James, the way you brought the scripture reading. You said it loud, you meant it, and I don't know how we as humans could have improved on it, but I wonder how it is that God is communicating to us and to every man, woman, and child upon the face of this earth, saying what is found in Revelation 14. Verse 6, here it is. I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. Now what we're going to do is look 
at every little part of that verse and see how it relates to you and to me and to everybody else. It says, and I saw another angel. Hebrews 1.14 says, angels are spoken of as, quoting, ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those that are to be heirs of salvation. Wow. Angels. Are ministering spirits. And there it says, and I saw another angel. Flying in the midst of heaven. So it is an angel, an angel who's got a message. And that message is from God, not from any human being. This is why the three angels' messages is for me, just as much as for you and to every man, woman, and child upon the face of this world. So, an angel is to impress it upon us that it is very, very important. It's not a human message. It's from heaven, an angel. And it is given in a loud voice to all the world, which means being loud, it's urgent to everyone. Then we have Mark 16, 15, where Jesus referred to his message when he commanded his followers to proclaim it to the whole world. And here's what he said. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So you and I are commanded, pleading with God is pleading with us to go into all the world and do our part. So what is the gospel? Whose gospel? Romans 1.16 gives us a revelation of something very interesting. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. So the gospel is of Christ. That's what it is, from Christ. And it has the power of God unto salvation. From these texts so far, we understand that the angel's message is the gospel and message by Christ to the world, and it's about salvation, and it's only through him. That salvation is only through Christ. In fact, the purpose of Christ's coming to this earth was to reveal clearly the message. In fact, John 10.10 10 says this, I am come 
that they may have life and they might have that they might have light and that they might have it more abundantly. That's why Jesus came. And incidentally, that's why Jesus is coming the second time. Is to give life to those that are going to have eternal life. That want eternal life. That accept Christ who gave his life that we may have eternal life. Now what did Jesus mean when he said more abundant life? Well, it's rather interesting that in John 10, 27, that is where it says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they, that they shall not perish. That's what is meant by more abundant life. And the message here is eternal life. Sure, we have life. We're, all of us have been born. We are living. We want an abundant life. But above all, we want eternal life. And that is the gospel. You remember that somehow Jesus tried his hardest to deal somehow with the Pharisees and let them realize how important eternal life was. And what he said to them applies to you and me now, today. And Jesus said the following. Hear his voice and follow me will be giving each one of us eternal life. And here's what it says. Search the scriptures. And watch this very carefully. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. But you will not come to me that you may have eternal life. What is he saying here? What is Jesus saying? He's simply saying to the Pharisees that they search the scriptures. They study them firmly. Every little part of it, they try to analyze it and see what it is. And what it says. They search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. By searching the scriptures, they, the Pharisees, and you and I, sometimes think by searching the scriptures, we have eternal life. But the verse says here, it testifies of me, but you will not come to me, to Christ, that you may have eternal life. Are you getting the point? Unless you got it, 
you're seeing the fact that searching the scriptures, studying the scriptures, isn't going to do you any good unless you see clearly that God wants us to search the scriptures and to come to Jesus by learning what the scriptures are telling us about Jesus and him only. That's how important this message is for you and me to understand. And it was Jesus who said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Not the scriptures. Or are they the scriptures of what Jesus is saying to you and me to follow? I tell you, it's, it's just amazing how beautiful it is how we understand more clearly about the three angels' messages. We believe in it. We follow it. We prepare. And we worship the true God. Let us go just a little bit further. The message of Revelation is called the everlasting gospel. Everlasting life. So we are to reveal the gospel of Christ by declaring his message of life. Ephesians 1.7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. So well put. And then Revelation 14.7 says, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. What is meant? What is meant by giving glory to him? Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of judgment is come. What does it mean? What does it really mean? Exodus 33, 18 says, When Moses was with Christ in Mount Sinai, he requested to see Christ's glorified face. You remember? He was not permitted to see his face, but was permitted to stand in the cliff of a rock. And the Lord would pass by and reveal his glory. To Moses, the Lord said, you cannot see my glory and live. But I will reveal my name to you as I hide you in the cliff of the rock. Watch this. In Exodus 33, the Lord says, I am the Lord God. Watch it. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. 
So God's name is revealed in his character. And then John 17, 4 and on, Jesus prayed to his father, and he explained it very clearly. Here it is, quoting, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do. I manifested thy name unto men. In his life, Jesus demonstrated the name or the character of his father by being merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. But we must not miss what Jesus continued to say in his prayer to his Father. Here it is. The glory which you gave me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. Are you getting it? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. To fill the purpose of the angel's message, the gospel reveals to the world that we are admonished to give glory to him. That is, we are to declare his name by representing his character as we live our life before others each day. Otherwise, the three angels' messages don't mean a thing. Unless we're having that experience. Those who represent Christ in character and glorify him by their life will be allowed to do what Moses was not permitted to do on Mount Sinai. Revelation 22, 4, it says, they will see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads. My, it's beautiful. When Christ comes, those that have revealed his name and character in their lives will see his face. We are to reveal the gospel of Christ by declaring his message of life. We are to represent the glory of Christ by demonstrating his manner of life. His manner of life. In all respects. When he was with the disciples and when he was with his enemies, how did Jesus react, respond? 
Revelation 14, 7. Fear God and give glory to him because the hour of his judgment has come. There is an important relationship here between those two terms, the manner of life we live and the judgment. Did you know that Mark 16, 15 says something very interesting? And you've read it even in Sabbath school. Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that does not believe shall be damned. That's the gospel. So, what we do about the everlasting gospel will determine our destiny. Those who believe will be saved. And those that do not believe will be, as the Bible says, damned. This really explains the judgment. A decision is made with only two alternatives. If we give glory to God by the manner of life we live, we will be saved. If we do not glorify God, by the manner of life, we will be damned. Just that simple. And yet, so true. No one will escape this final review of your life, my life, and the life of everybody upon the face of this earth. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Romans 10, Romans 14, 10. In fact, Daniel 7, 10 says Daniel was given a vision of the coming of judgment. And it says that the judgment was set and the books were opened. Were the books really opened? Will everything be recorded on the computer, on a video? I don't know. But all I know is a judgment was set and everything will be opened for everybody to see. And Revelation 3, 5 says, He that overcometh shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot his name from the book of life but will confess it before my Father and before the angels. All the angels. So the judgment is sure. There is no question about it. The judgment is sure. The fact that Christ was raised from the dead as Acts 17, 
30 says. Just, just, just watch this, what it says. In times of ignorance, God overlooks, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has appointed and of this he has given assurance to all men by raising him up from the dead. That was Christ. He's the judge. If you believe in the resurrection, you better believe in the judgment. And there's so, so many people that make in other churches that make so much of the resurrection and very little, if anything, about the judgment. And you and I are privileged to have somehow the knowledge of the three angels' messages and the judgment that is just unbelievable. Fear God and give glory to him because the hour of the judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. We are to reveal the gospel of Christ by declaring his message of life. We are to represent the glory of Christ by demonstrating his manner of life. So let's go on regarding the everlasting gospel. We are to reveal the greatness of Christ by displaying his character and what he has done for you and me, which is very important. Because all things were created by Jesus Christ, according to Ephesians 3.9. When Christ creates life and an entire world, he leaves his signature for those he created to remember him as the author of all life. In Isaiah 66, 22, 23 says this. Listen how beautiful it is. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, so shall your seed and your name remain. And it shall come to pass from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Beautiful. It's there. Isaiah 66, Old Testament. And you know, because we read and studied in Sabbath school about the everlasting gospel, the three angels' messages, and particularly the one worship God that made heaven and earth. To remember, to give honor to the one who created life in the world and made new, we will come and worship before him every Sabbath, every Sabbath, forever and ever and ever. So the last everlasting gospel message 
concludes by reminding us to worship him that made heaven and earth and the fountains of water. Rather interesting that in Genesis 2, 1 to 3, and on as you want to read, it says when Christ ended his creation of our world, he not only rested from his work on the seventh day, but he also blessed it and sanctified it. That extra. He set it apart for you and me to trust God and to fulfill what Jesus fulfilled in our life so that he glorified his father, did everything, and we likewise need to have that same experience. That's why in Exodus 28 to 11, it says, remember. And the very thing that God says, remember, Satan says, forget it. It's not worth anything. And God says it's worth everything. And you're the one that has to decide whether you trust God and have life and have eternal life or do what Satan says, trusting him and be damned. So if I may just review by closing. We are to reveal the gospel of Christ by declaring his message of life and worship him. We are to represent the glory of Christ by demonstrating his manner of life. And we are to reveal the greatness of Christ by displaying his memorial of life. May God bless each one of you to remain faithful and true and have the experience of the everlasting gospel and preach it. And may I just ask you a question. If you were to say to somebody the last few words, what kind of a message would you give them? God's last message to this world is angel one, angel two, and angel three. And you and I are a part of it. How many of you are willing to give your life because Christ gave his life for you that you may have eternal life. Will you please stand?